Welcome to Women of Grace in the Marketplace on TalkEerie.com. Here's Janelle Keith and Lori Clapper. This is Women of Grace in the Marketplace. I'm Janelle Keith in Oklahoma, and my friend and co-host is Lori Clapper. She's based in Erie, Pennsylvania, and our special guest today is from North Dakota. I feel like I need to shout that out because it feels so far away. Right. Welcome, Michelle Bassey. Michelle has a little bit of a different background. That's why I thought it would be so interesting to talk to her on our podcast. Uh, Michelle is a hospice nurse. Now, Michelle, tell us about that. How did you become interested in the, the background that you grew up in to make you want to go in this field? Oh, good morning, ladies, and, and thanks for the question, Janelle. Yeah, so I come from a whole line of morticians. Um, there's four generations of mortuary work in my in my background. Uh, my dad's a mortician, uh, grandpa is a mortician, uncle was a mortician, and then also um, numerous nurses and aunt, um, some cousins, niece who's a nurse. So caring for people um, in vulnerable spots is just something my family um, probably God has given our family a gift to do. Um, so that that is, I think, what um, led me to hospice. Um, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting because uh, you think about morticians being so comfortable with dead things, you know, dead bodies, and you're thinking, it's the very thing that we shy away from because we don't want to deal with our own mortality. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that death um, has been a scary word for, for many, many, many years. And um, one of my biggest passions is to normalize dying. Um, it all happens, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when you have um, a belief in an afterlife with Jesus, I think, I think that helps. But um, I think with death comes life and mm -hmm. we, we forget that. We forget that there's actually an everlasting life that's waiting. So, Yes, I, I so agree. I think you've hit it, the nail on the head because I think we're all scared of that. You know, we, oh yes, we can be assured that we have a place in heaven. Right. We say that, you know, commonly, but we don't really understand how we're going to go out in the world and nobody wants to go out in a tragic situation, you know? And so it's, it's so funny because my husband and I joke about this and I just say, Hey, when it's my time to go, God knows, and he'll set me on top of a mountain and I'll just sit in a chair and just go peacefully. Right. You know, <laughs> let me be bare food or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty morbid. <laughs> Right. I know. Speaking of uh, being morbid, but anyway, we joke about it because we don't want to deal with that day. We think we're invincible. And I don't know what's in us that makes us think that, but we all know, we all know the Bible clearly states he knows us from the beginning. He knows us to the end. So if we have that peace and assurance of being known from day one to day 110, then we shouldn't have any worries or fears, but yet we do. You're right. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. So have you always been, you know, this inclined to go towards helping people through death, you know, even as a young child? 
So um, my dad's at work always intrigued me. Um, you know, growing up, we did play hide and go seek. Um, us, us cousins in the in the funeral home, grandpa's funeral home. <laughs> oh, right man. Um, and so that's just how how normal um, death was. You know, if, if the phone was ringing, everybody was quiet because it might be a family um, that um, that needs a quiet space. You know, so I think um, growing up with a dad and and um, a family that had a lot of compassion to to go to those places, those vulnerable places of death and then real life, sort of really shaped me. Um, I decided to go to nursing school shortly after my baby went to kindergarten. Um, my my goal in life was to be a stay at home mom um, and have a bunch of kids. Um, mm. My 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 biggest dream was like a baseball field of kids. Um, but uh, the Lord gave us three, and, and shortly after Plan B started, and I went to um, nursing school when my baby went off to kindergarten, um, and. At that point in time, it was a big decision of, do I want to go into therapy, um, counseling work, or would I like to go into nursing? So I feel like um, hospice nursing um, is is the whole, the whole um, kit and caboodle. It's mm-hmm. my body, um, spirit nursing. It's, it's really taking, um, you know, counseling into, into nursing. Um, it's a slower paced nursing. And um, it was probably seven years into my nursing career that I actually found hospice. But um, yeah, shortly after becoming a nursing uh, nurse, I was working on the floor, my medical surgical floor. One of my first patients was a, a hospice patient that was brought up um, on comfort care. And he really shaped that trajectory for me. Um, it just was a really peaceful time. And I felt really honored and blessed to be able to be with him on his last, on his last little leg of life there. So I feel just like anything really, especially becoming a mortician and, and, you know, you having a whole family of that and, and even hospice nursing, that that's truly a gift and a calling to be able to handle uh, that process and handle, like you said, those vulnerable moments. Do you have a story even from a young age that um, you, you've kind of felt that that was part of you and that was kind of a gifting that you had? Yeah, yeah. So um, every summer we would camp with this family and I would I would pick worms with um, these twin boys and I, I sort of ended up getting a crush on one of them. Um, so this is like <laughs> eight or nine years of age. Aww. And um, tragically, his parents ended up dying in a car accident um, a few short years later. And I remember being at uh, my grandmother's house with the funeral home right next um, to us and the funeral going on um, and thinking, I, I need to go over there and say something to him. I just need to go over there and give him a hug. I, I need to go offer my condolences. Um, and it was this push and pull of, but I love to have a crush on him. How could I do that? But <laughs> but I know that, that God's called me to do that, but I a little bit. Um, and I have seen you know, firsthand um, in the years that I've been a nurse, um, you know, the, the grief that brings the healing that a lot mm-hmm. of times bring us, brings us closer to God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Recently, I had a, a mom on hospice who was really young um, and she had four little kids 
and she was ready to go home. Um, she wasn't ready to say goodbye to her, her kids. And I remember sitting with her and asking her, um, do you think that what we go through, what your girls will go through with the grief of not having a, a mom might bring them closer to our good God? You know, can we pray for that? Can we pray that, that, this, that this pain that they will endure will actually be you know, the power that brings them closer to life with, with Christ? So I think there's always, um, always hope in harvest. Wow. I just got goosebumps when mm -hmm. she just said that. That's amazing. That's incredibly healing, isn't it? To see that side of it, to, to know that, yes, this is hard and painful, but it will draw them closer to the Lord. That's, that's beautiful. It really is. Have you had patients who perhaps did not have a relationship with Jesus? Have you had experiences with that where you've been able to speak that life into them, even in, you know, being close to death? Yeah, so that's all God's will and not mine. I'll right. be honest. With you. Right. <laughs> because if I yeah, if I tried to get all all in the head about it, it would probably come out as a big old blobby mess. But um, I think God plants nuggets on all of our hearts mm -hmm. at points in times. I've had those people um, that have just, you know, in that moment been that nugget of of grace and goodness of the Lord, mm -hmm. and and um, and I pray for that, but I also know that his will will be done, you know? So, um, so yeah, I just, I truly try to surrender to each experience and, and ask to be that vessel. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's not, and I, I need constant, constant grace and, and, and constant rapport with him, um, in the line of field that I'm in. But, um, I really think of it as, as the biggest gift to be able to be a hospice nurse because mm -hmm. for one, I found my faith um, again as a hospice nurse. I had, I had lost, I lost my faith, but for two um, hospice pe patients teach me every single day how to live. You know, wow. they, they teach me how to live as, as they're passing. Um, they share their stories. They share their wisdom. They share their lessons. Um, they show me the importance of family and bringing life back to the basics and the simplicity when we live in such a complex world right now. So, mm -hmm. wow. well, that's rich stuff right there, mm -hmm. right there. Back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those three words have been on my mind too. And you know, what an honor it is to usher them through to the next phase of their eternal life. So I'm wondering, you know, on this side of the microphone, is it, is it like a spur of the moment that you can get a call and, and, be notified that so-and-so has needs hospice care or how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the patient's primary doctor or doctor that they're seeing um, gives them a terminal diagnosis, which is six months or less of life. You know, of course, doctors are practice medicine. They're not always right. But mm -hmm. once they have that terminal diagnosis is when we get a referral to hospice. And we have patients that end up on hospice for just even almost a couple of years before they pass. And then we have patients that just aren't ready for that, or that hospice word has been such a stigma word, mm -hmm. um, but they don't come to us until, 
until they have, you know, days or, or hours before, before life. So, wow. Wow. so uh, you bring up a good point, you know, uh, what exactly is hospice? I think a lot of us don't totally understand what that means. Can you explain it a little bit to us? For sure. For sure. So we come in as a group um, when a patient has had a terminal, terminal diagnosis. Um, we come in as a nurse, as a nurse's aide, as a chaplain, um, as a social worker, as a, a doctor and a nurse practitioner um, to really offer um, you know, hope and healing at the end of life. And our goal is always to give them as um, pain-free and peaceful um, time and quality of life that they have left. So. I'll never forget walking through hospice with my parents when they both passed. And I was, it was shocking to me to know that, well, my dad went first, but he needed it. And I'm thinking, what? No, it was almost like putting the, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, in that we were just kind of giving up on caring for him. But really, it was out of our hands by that point. And I was so grateful for the hospice team that cared over him. And then later, three months later, I, we needed it again from my mom, but it's just, we don't have a concept of the full care the hospice can bring. And I, I always recommend it highly to everyone. I, I, you know, know that's going in that situation because they're just, it is the holistic approach. They take care of your soul. They take care of the family members. They take care of the patient. I don't know how you do it all, but it is truly, like we were saying earlier, a gift. And I am so grateful that God has gifted uh, uh, people with this this compassion and empathy to help people through them. One of the most difficult phases. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for saying that, Janelle. Um, you know, I think that um, my biggest goal as a hospice nurse is to really, as a patient is losing all sense of control over their life is to sort of help them drive those last days as much as I can mm -hmm. so giving them you know education of this medicine or this medicine mm -hmm. um how do you want this to look you know would you like to you know be more sleepy and have no pain or would you like to be have a little bit of pain and be um a little bit less sleepy to have more quality time and really trying to sit in that passenger seat and let them let them drive the last days mm -hmm. and i believe um you know some people might want to go out kicking and screaming and and trying in tubes and icus and 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 needles and ivs and, and all the things and that's okay that's okay um but there is a surrender that comes um and a beauty that comes with hospice and a peace and i mm -hmm. love part of that that natural way um, to go home to heaven is, mm -hmm. is a gift to be a part of. Yeah. This is kind of a funny word to put into the statement when we think of uh, end of life and the hospice care, but is there uh, things you enjoy the most about being a hospice nurse? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, they, they teach me how to live daily. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, learning the family dynamics and, and hearing about their stories and, um, being a patient advocate and like I said, allowing them to drive as for as long as they can. These are all things that, that fill me up. Um, mm. 
Yeah, I, I, I love, love that part of it. You know, when you're a nurse, um, I always pictured this at the bedside approach, right? And, and nursing nowadays is changed and evolved. And there's some, there's some good and there's some bad, but the hospice really brings it back to the basics. Um, I have time to sit at that bedside. I have time, you know, to give them a bath and um, just to, to get to know them on a, on a deeper level. We don't, you don't talk about the weather when you're talking to a hospice yeah. patient. Right. Mm. Um, you, you dive deep because they're in a, they're in a deep spot. And mm-hmm. that as a, as a deep water, I've called myself my whole life. It's, it's really great to, to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I bet it feels like you're treading through a lot of regretful waters. Do you find that to be true? People are more honest about the regrets in life? Definitely. And this is where I say um, they teach me how to live, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's a moment um, for a hospice patient that I feel like God always provides these little nuggets of moments where there can be healing and there can be hope and there can be forgiveness. Um, you know, there's always an opportunity for that with death comes life. And, and that's also with, with pain, right? Right. Mm -hmm. With pain comes healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who is so inspiring. I don't know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So inspiring. (laughs) So what, how, can you tell us about an experience in your line of work that has changed your outlook about dying? You've mentioned several stories, but can you remember a time or a, a specific patient when you recognize this? Yes, actually. I, <laughs> Probably I, have had, more than one, right? <laughs> yes, I've had many, but recently in the last couple of months, I, I, had, I had a big one. Um, I knew... I knew the moment I met her that it was uh, a divine appointment by God. And um, she was not only my patient, she became my friend. Mm. And um, her faith in her surrendering her life to God was palpable. Mm. Um, she, her, she was very young and she had gotten a terminal diagnosis. And when she had received that diagnosis and when she had passed was a month. Um, and she handled it with the most surrendering beauty and grace. Um, I remember telling, um, our chaplain, you know, as I was giving him a report on her, you know, I, I believe that some of them are angels, but this one, this one, this one has to be a saint because Mm. I, I constantly asked if she was for real. And I actually end up, um, sometimes when, when people impact me, um, a lot, in order sort of for me to let them go and really learn the lesson I write about them. And this has been such an interesting conversation. I have a personal interest, of course, because my parents both went through the hospice process before they died. But just to understand that side of, of, of a healing ministry, I call it, that it's just fascinating to me. So, Michelle, you were about to tell us this story that impacted you greatly that you wrote about it. Tell us more. Yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share this short little writing because I feel like this is there are no words to this this hospice patient I had, but if if there were a couple, I I, I try my best to write them through the Lord. So mm-hmm. 
Um, with the permission of the family, I share this writing. The second day of taking care of her, I told my chaplain friend, some remind me of angels, but she she's possibly a saint. Um, your bedroom was a color of lilacs. That was the first thing I noticed when I opened the door to your room. The walls were covered with decorations filled with inspiring Bible verses. Books lined the back wall on the bookshelf as I stood silently in the door doorway wishing for time to browse them. I could smell a faint lavender candle in the distance. In the left corner, there you were, all tucked in your hospital bed, home, after just receiving your terminal diagnosis as my newest hospice patient. During the first Dave, days, my time was spent getting your pain and symptoms under control. Education was done to you and your mom on when to give the when needed medications. Catheters were checked, dressings were bandaged. Small talk was started. I found out that we both had the same friend and that seemed to connect us quickly together. And together is how we'd spend at least an hour a day. I would do my nursing and we would visit. Looking back now, I wish I could remember all the meaningful conversations. To be honest, there were a couple days that I would sit in your driveway in my car and soak in your words and then quickly jot them down so I wouldn't forget them. During, your time, during our time, your love for Jesus was palpable. Your surrendering life and for what was and is was inspiring. You would spend your energy reminding your mom and I that you were the lucky one with an everlasting vacation trip soon leaving to heaven. I remember asking you to share stories with me of your past. You spent years as a missionary, living in an unsafe country as a Christian. Stories of underground churches and hiding that you were a Jesus follower. I asked you if you ever wanted to take a break from loving God or being a Christian then for safety reasons. You looked at me with a crooked smile and spoke a gentle knowing Michelle, God is so much bigger than any problem. One day when your mom was away, you taught me fate. You shared with me that there was a special guy that had now decided he wanted to pursue a relationship. I leaned into you and asked you how you felt about that, and you replied with a soft peace. It's okay. It must not have been meant to be. The disease process wore on. The town heard and started praying for a miracle. You whispered to me as I was holding your hand one rainy day in the lilac room, if God saves me from life or saves me from death, either way, it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. The time came that I was headed out of town for a few days. And I didn't know if you had a few days left here on this earth. Before I left that day, we prayed together. And this, my dear, was big for me. This was the first time I have ever prayed out loud with any of my patients. As I stumbled with my words and choked on my tears, <clears throat> you squeezed my hand a little stronger. I came back to you withdrawing, knowing the eternal vacation was near. Open your eyes to smile and remind me that it's all good, and then falling asleep mumbling something about lavender fields. You ran in those lavender fields and found Jesus the next night. Your mom called, and I got the honors to go and be with your family after you had passed. When the funeral home had left, the medications were all wasted. I stood in your doorway and told your family the truth. You have changed me. It seemed as if God knew at this stage in my life that I needed to hear all your stories. 
I needed a new friend. I needed to truly witness someone who let go and lets God. You came into my life and showed me as you were dying how to live, truly surrender to God's will. You modeled faith, you modeled hope, and you modeled how to love. They say lilacs bloom for three weeks a year. I was your hospice nurse and friend for three weeks. And your soul was the color of lilacs. Your words will forever live inside of me. Thank you for teaching me how to live life bloomed. Michelle, <laughs> is there a dry eye in the house here? <laughs> oh. Man, that was beautiful. Wow. It was beautiful. I think you, you more than did her justice and, and what a beautiful tribute. Um, to that friend and and that patient it's incredible thank you for sharing so openly with us yeah i'm i'm trying to recover over here that was amazing not th the story itself was amazing but the way you expressed it was moving mm. thank you thank you for sharing that you you've got to write those stories down michelle this is where it takes a serious turn <laughs> you've got to write these stories down because we could all learn from that experience we can all be moved mm. to yeah, understand sure. uh god's ways so much better please do please write that down <laughs> keep writing please keep writing. let us help you publish it yeah <laughs> keep writing those stories because it truly you sharing that changed me in how you know i'll look at life differently now because of her perspective and how that is causing a ripple effect you know mm -hmm. and um i love that is it as easy to walk a friend that you don't know uh with like a family member that you do know and they are going through the same thing or how does that work with you Oh, yeah, it's, it's, of course, easier to be the nurse, you know, I, uh -huh. I just found the patient who, whose daughter was taking care of her, of the mom and the daughter had been a hospice nurse for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had shared with me, um, I still needed a hospice. Mm -hmm. I needed to be there, not the hospice nurse. Um, because, yeah, you, even if you are a nurse, you're still a daughter and you still have all all the feelings and grief that coming with come with letting go of a loved one, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Have you yeah. had to walk through that personally with a family member of your own? I have. I have. So I, I have lost uh, a few um, people near and dear. Uh, one of them was my mother-in-law and she died unexpectedly. Um, so she wasn't on hospital. Other um, my my dad's mom, my grandmother, and it was her death um, that really, that really, I think, pushed me into the hospice direction. Um, it was, you know, it was a, a really beautiful time for a family. There was a lot of healing that happened um, amongst those days that we spent um, at her bedside, um, and um, it was just a really, really life-changing experience to watch um, my grandma die. Mm -hmm. um, she had had a, a stroke, a massive stroke in her 50s, and it left her um, having weakness on one side and mostly in a wheelchair, um, walking with a cane if she could. And um, when she passed, I, I knew that 
I just knew that God had her running in a in a field towards him. I could just mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where I say that in those moments of of my of my of my job, God is is so present. And um he really brings faith in as someone is transitioning. It's all him. So he gives you the right words to say at the right time to comfort the family and the patient and yourself. Yeah, and sometimes there are none, right? It's mm-hmm. just a, a, a being still, you know. Um, and just letting that silence embrace you. Yeah, yeah, that peace and calm. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. So has this helped you deal with your own mortality? You know, I, I mean, like you say, we're all dying, you know, day by day. So it, does that help you come to terms with that better? You know, it's super interesting because when I can look back at my childhood years, um, I was always afraid of time. Um, if I couldn't fall asleep at night, I'd had to, had have to put a, a pillowcase over my alarm clock so I wouldn't look at the time because it would just create more panic that I would have less time to fall asleep. And and when I would really lay lay in bed at night, what I was scared of was, well, this was this big question on heaven and hell and, and God and, um, you know, a loving God or a, uh, a mean God or what was that even as a little kid. And so I find it really uh, uh, interesting that God put me in hospice, right? Um, <laughs> because that's what you're in this time of, of, these, of these questions, you know, um, and also these, these questions being answered by him. Um, so yeah, I I went through um, sort of falling out of religion and um, a not knowing God, and it really was um, was hospice was where I where I found I found Christ again, and mm-hmm. um, it's really 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 shaped me when it's come to, and that that's been like that's that's it right that's that's the biggest gift of all right there. So yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So do you have a scripture that gets you through difficult times or is there one that you find yourself often sharing uh, with either your patients or with their families when they're going through this time? So recently um, I had a opportunity to, to leave hospice and um, sort of go down a different av- avenue. And I, I was praying and praying and praying about an answer and um, one morning out of the clear blue, God brought me to, to James, um, James 127. Um, and it's visiting orphans and widows in, in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And that's when I knew that that um, hospice was, was my home for now. And that's where God wanted me. Um, so I, I, um, remind myself of that in tough moments that it's him who leads me there and it's him that works through me. So um, there, the ones that I share with family sometimes are um, 2 Corinthians 12, 10 um, for when I am weak is when I am strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we really are, when we really are weak upon the Lord is when, you know, when they worry that their tears are weakness, no, their tears are actually strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, 
you know, one Corinthians, Corinthians 13, 13 has always been my favorite. The faithful mm-hmm. greatest of these is love. So, um, yeah. Three great scriptures. Wow. Yes. And they speak powerfully into the lives of those around you and to us that, you know, are listening and, you know, we forget, we forget the power of scripture, don't we? I mean, I say that to myself all the time. Why didn't I not lean on this first? Because that's what it's there for, for us to lean on and to, you know, rely upon. And this is how God speaks to us through his word. So why do we resist coming to it like we do? I, I don't know. It's our human nature, but he's given us these these verses to cling to, to have hope, to keep on pressing on. How do you deal with the family after the fact? The loved one is gone and there's still a lot of healing that needs to happen because of this, uh, because this person has passed on. How do you deal with the family now that, that your case is officially over? Yeah, so I try to go to every funeral um, just for my own for my own sake and also for the families um, and to truly thank them for letting me come into their home, right? Because it is a vulnerability. Um, it is a, we need help. And, mm-hmm. and it truly is a gift to be able to go into people's home at the end of life. Um, so, so that, that helps, helps me. And we have a really good, um, we have a chaplain that does um, bereavement after that follows up with families and we offer a grief grief group with hospice and as a nurse um, I haven't um, really um, dabbed my feet in those categories at, at all um, I, I, um, I'm interested to we'll, we'll see where life brings but um, you know we we do have a social worker and a, a chaplain that that follow the family for months to come after you know mm-hmm. after somebody on hospice so I think that that's good because not often although all the family can be present you know when the passing happens and I think you guys serve as a bridge to help them you know help them pass over and understand and come to terms with you know the what's actually happened so yeah again I'm so grateful for hospice care and the care for the family after the fact too yeah because they need help too, don't they? It's just, this is, death is hard to deal with. And it's even hard to talk about openly, right? <laughs> so Michelle, we know you have big dreams, uh, not only for yourself, but this big idea to restore families. Can you tell us quickly what that is? Yeah, sure. You know, my experience with hospice, um, there are moments, there are moments of healing that can happen at the end of life. And I've seen, um, you know, sort of too many times that the disease process is already too far gone and, and sometimes um, a wish that a patient has um, isn't met. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm being a carpenter that just wanted to go see his son house being built states away um, mm-hmm. in an RV and do that. And his, you know, his disease process was too far gone. So I, I dream of having like a make a wish, like a live like you're dying nonprofit for hospice patients and families um, to bring families together and and weave in some moments of healing and love um, at the end of life. So, yeah, that- wow. I, I love that idea. How inspiring is that, Lori, that she mm-hmm. wants to bring a dream to reality, you know, before they pass on? I just, 
I just think that's amazing. We have dreams at every age and stage in life. Yeah. Right. And and what, what a great gift that would be for a family. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. We're going to pray a lot for you along with you, (laughs) Michelle, for, for this to come to fruition and for God's perfect timing. So that's, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Janelle, what's your takeaway from the show today? I can't, I can't. (laughs) I got too many words in my head. Oh, that's okay. Uh, Michelle said it very uh, simply, let's live like we're dying. You know, I can remember when we had a series in our church, 30 Days to Live, and it made us church-wide just come to grips with that could be us. That could be that, we could be that person that tomorrow ends up in a wheelchair. We don't know what tomorrow brings, and our life is but a mist. And so we need to be prepared for that day. I mean, I don't know how you fully are prepared. That's why we have hospice, thankfully. But still, though, to mentally adjust our minds to think we need to start living our lives and stop being so afraid and uh, be less risky with what we have and just give it all and surrender it and just, you know, not just keep it for ourselves because it could inspire someone else. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I don't know what else to say, but but the story that you wrote about your friend uh, who is also your patient. I mean, Mm -hmm. that story was so beautiful and uh, Mm -hmm. so poignant and uh, it leaves me speechless, you (laughs) know. And well, what I will say is that if you are just tuning in here on Talk Erie on the radio. If you want to go back and you did not hear that story, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify or Google, and it's, you'll hear it right around the 9 or 10-minute point in, in our show. Uh, make sure you uh, hear the story because it truly, truly is beautiful, and I think um, it'll really mm-hmm. touch your heart uh, mm-hmm. in, in such a real way. Uh, because like you said, I mean, death is a part of living, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's a part of life, and uh, we're so thankful for nurses, hospice nurses like Michelle and and, and others uh, in in wherever you live. And and Michelle, I guess that's a good question. You are in North Dakota, but how do people get hooked up with hospice care if they may need it? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So that would be a conversation that you'd have with your primary doctor. Um, they would have the resourcing of knowing of knowing what hospice looks like in your community. Definitely. Great, great. So uh, thankful for all you've done, uh, Michelle, and all you continue to do. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I just need to to share one last one last little sentence that I, I realized shortly after becoming a hospice nurse. Um, we had a lady on hospice who was had cancer, and she was in a lot of pain before hospice. I remember telling the team, it feels like I'm helping her live and helping her die at the same time. Mm the quality of life and the, the care and support that hospice can, can bring can change, can change a family's life and yeah. can change life. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you again, yeah. Michelle, for uh, being with us and for sharing so openly sharing about the vulnerability that, um, what comes with being a hospice nurse and being a family going through hospice care with a loved one. And if you, again, 
uh, want to hear more about this and hear more what Michelle had to say, you can listen to Women of Grace in the Marketplace podcast, Google and Spotify. And we would love for you to tune into our, our podcast. If you have any questions for Janelle Keith or myself, Lori Clapper, you can always email us at womenofgraceinthemarketplace at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time.